This week's guest is Cressida Lawler, who joins us from Manchester, England. Cressy is currently in the midst of opening up the Manchester location of Sexy Fish, a high-end cocktail and Pan-Asian restaurant that has two locations in London and Miami. Cressy also runs the YouTube channel The Pump Room Bar. And if those tasks aren't enough to keep her busy, Cressy is currently in the midst of traveling the length of the UK, filming and editing a documentary on being queer behind the bar. We had a great conversation with Cressy, and make sure you check her out on Instagram at pumproom.bar or her personal profile at Cressida Lawler and on her YouTube channel, The Pump Room Bar. Make sure you check the show notes for all the links and enjoy the episode. Okay, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name's Kip. This is Dan. And what is happening with you, sir? Uh, not too much. Just another day. At the uh, I don't have any words for work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Just another day at the, the salt mine, pretty yeah. much. How are things going with you? How's business at the bars? Pretty much the same. I feel the same way about yeah. business at the bars. But yeah, um, you wake up crying too every morning. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Just uh, thinking, wondering why I didn't get into real estate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, you know. Uh, some Mondays are better than others. Yeah, that's true. Good point. <laughs> we have a great guest coming up shortly. Cressy Lawler will be joining us in just a second. Before we get to her, we should mention that if you like the show and like what we're doing here, the best way to support us is to subscribe, rate, and review the show. It helps a great deal. Zach Hanna at ZachHanna.co. He is the man behind the Instagram page. Does some great graphic arts work. Check him out for all your graphic arts needs. That's Z-A-K-H-A. WNAH.co. If you're in the Kitchener Waterloo area here in beautiful Ontario, check out my bars. We have Sugar Run downtown Kitchener, Babylon Sisters uptown Waterloo, and Argyle Arms in beautiful Preston, Cambridge mm -hmm. area. So just trying to cover all the tri cities there, but check out all those places um yeah we have links to those in the show notes as well if you want to check them out online yeah uh, so you can see what's going on that's correct yeah so check them out we won't waste too much more time talking about that or anything else let's get right to our guest cressy lawler how are you hi guys yeah no i'm good thanks yeah Wonderful. yeah, thanks you for, guys? yeah doing well doing well thanks for coming on the show especially with the time difference we definitely appreciate it Oh, it's 11 o'clock here. That's basically morning for bartenders. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so you're coming to us from Manchester, and you're currently opening a new bar. Yes, um, I'm part of the opening bar management team for Sexy Fish. Uh, we have one in Miami, and I've just moved over from two years in the London site, and now we're opening Manchester. Crazy. So where did it start? In Miami? Uh, no, Sexy Fish started in London in 2015, and then we opened in Miami in 2022, and now we are opening Manchester in 2023, and it has been crazy. Yeah, every time you try to open a new one, eh? It's, it's just so much work. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> I bet. I'm, I'm doing it mainly for experience, because uh, I, I would do want my own venue in the next year. Mm, Should be don't, fun. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i warn everyone on this show <laughs> um just kidding it's a good it's a, it's a great way to make a living if you don't if you have a strong constitution i guess <laughs> never knowing when you're going to make money okay so i'm sort of curious like it's, this place started in london and then the second location was miami how does that come to be i don't know dude like <laughs> it's fucking wild that it's just like yeah let's open in london you know what else would be great in Miami um well I guess it's because Miami is like full of rich plastic people and London's full of rich plastic people and everyone likes to eat sushi 
and like um, all that kind of stuff and, and be a bit showy. Um, so it's the perfect place. It's in, it's in Brickell, Miami. So it's kind of the perfect place for that. But um, all the sort of assholery aside, like the bar program is just insane. Like we won our first, like um, I was very proud to be part of the bar management team that won the tails plate for 2022 for world's best restaurant bar. We really pride ourselves on like our insane drinks and like, um, Japanese whiskey selection, the rarest and largest in the world. Oh, that's amazing. Mental. And but it's, um, yeah. but it's it, you guys do sushi as well. That's sort of the the main food program. Yeah. It's like it's Pan Asian fusion. Oh, cool. That sounds awesome. A lot of sushi. A lot of sushi. <laughs> it's a lot of curiosity. Sashimi flying. Yeah, being in Manchester, not exactly uh, right by the waterfront there. What's the sushi selection there? <laughs> Um, fantastic because everything gets flown in, um, okay. and also like we're near, we're near Scotland as well, so like the fish oh, by Scotland and the oysters and everything's insane. You can get like uh, snow crab, all those things. Like um, it's it's super super fresh, and because you're up sort of near the lakes as well, this part of the UK, it's just a really beautiful part. Like um, the house that I'm renting at the moment, fucking house, like which is mad. I'm in a detached house. I can whack my motorcycle in a garage. It's not a thing in London. You just can't do that. You live in a little box. Um, I'm 20 <laughs> minutes from um, the Peak District National Park, which is just like this insane, incredible sort of, not, well, it's not a mountain range because like we don't really have mountains here in the UK. It's all pretty flat, but it's like, well, it's a really amazing hills. Mm. Um, so it's a, it's a great part of the UK. It's a big change from London, but the bar scene here is just going up and up. Do you guys know the Schofields? No. Have you guys heard of the Skyfields? Okay, so like um, they uh, they're responsible for like um, some menus at the Tipling Club and like loads of stuff sort of worldwide. And they opened a bar in Manchester as well. Oh, nice. And the Call of Sexy Fish. So like it's a really great area. And also because you're in this part of the UK, you have access to so much um, great produce. Okay, mm. cool. So you were mentioning the about the sort of similarities between London and Miami with like plastic kind of fake people but that doesn't seem to be the vibe in manchester so do you have any worries about that opening in there well you know how like in the states and i don't know in canada if you guys have it the re- does canada have the real housewives yeah uh, oh. well we can get it we can we can watch it here yeah <laughs> no but like do you guys have your version because you've oh, got I like don't... the real housewives oh no i don't think so. our, our version here would be called the polite housewives i think <laughs> if they happen <laughs> oh sorry sorry <laughs> So, like, we don't have the Real Housewives of London. We have the Real Housewives of Cheshire, and that's oh, Manchester. Right, And, okay. like, because you've got, like, Liverpool um, FC uh, Football Club, oh, yeah. and then you've All also the got Manchester United in Man City, yeah. and a direct, like, flight line to Dubai, Manchester's a really happening city. Mm. So you've got, you got your fair share. It's just, um, I'd, I'd say it's, a, it's, it's cooler than London for sure. It's a lot more kind of, like red brick and badass but yeah you've still got your poses a lot of football we call them um we call them wags Wags. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what goes into like developing the cocktail program for a, a, a place like this so you obviously have some standards to live up to and are you using like do you use the same drinks that you would use at the london location the miami location or are you doing a completely new menu um so we all so the drink the menu has 20 drinks in it um London has London has four bespoke drinks. Miami has four bespoke drinks. Manchester has four bespoke drinks. So we'll do like majority of the menu, but each site will have four drinks just for them. 
Um, all bartenders are encouraged to contribute. So we'll have bartenders from London who put drinks on the menu and are there on the menu in Miami, London and Manchester and vice versa. Um, menu takes, we, we start menu development for the next menu in July or August and it doesn't come out till like February, March. So it's a big long process and we'll yeah, choose wow. a concept and we'll break it down and then we'll have meetings and we'll have development sessions in our lab and all this kind of crazy shit. That is crazy. But like, you know, that, that that's all like great and everything and like having those luxuries is insane. It's amazing. But also like, I love a, a good menu process and like a rough and ready bar as well. Mm-hmm. I just, I love breaking down drinks and sort of doing things in your kitchen. Kind of how Pump Room came about because I got pissed off with camera angles and lockdown and people making shitey drinks and not explaining them in their kitchen. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I watched a couple episodes of your show. It's super entertaining. Um, tell our listeners, um, tell our listeners about it, how you, why you started, how you came up with the concept, and what what it's all about. So, like the Pump Room, the name. Um, I'll tell you what the name is. So basically, it was lockdown in the UK. You couldn't leave your house. Like that was it. Like you could go for walks with a friend or like have someone in your bubble or whatever. But but ultimately, like you're stuck at home. And the one thing that I missed was like I just want to like listen to Gimme Shelter, sit at a dive bar and have a beer. Yeah. Just want to sit at a bar top and have a beer. And I was like, I don't give a fuck what beer it is. I just want to sit and have a beer. And then I was like, no. Nah. And then it turned to like want to sit and have a martini. Or like that that feeling you get just sitting at a bar and just like have a little chat with the bartender and just enjoying your first drink. Like, I think it's the, one of the best feelings, especially when you burn it. And so um, I set up my my family's because we all had to give up like our flats in London and everything. It just wasn't applicable. And um, this garage has been used for, for years. So I was like, can I turn this into like a bar? Like I need a project, you know. And then started flipping it and clearing it out and everything and I turned it into this uh, this bar and my mate at the time uh Ali he got involved and we really kitted the bar out and started really sort of putting our time into it and then we built it and we were sat having this beer because we were like you know we're like, we built the bar it's really cool and like you know we're playing music out of an old-fashioned boombox and like this is awesome and then we built and then we we're like fuck like now what Right. And it was just like, you know, yeah, it was like, you know what? Same thing. It's really been annoying me is that um, bartenders have a really bad habit of um, making like great drinks and then sort of secret keeping ingredients or just assuming you know what they're talking about. And there was all these people being like, this is how you make an old fashioned. And they're like, should have shot it in a really shitty way in their kitchen. The sound's bad. And they haven't explained the method or talked about it or just sort of given you anything to go on. That's how you get Stanley Tucci making shaking his Negroni, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and 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 that that's funny in itself. Like it's a laugh, but you know, I was like, if we could do anything, why don't we talk about how to make any drink you want and not be a douche about it, like, and give it to everyone and and make it funny and informative and just genuinely have a laugh and then put some skits in it, and then it just kind of snowballed into this thing. Like, there's one episode where we were like, oh what does anchovy syrup taste like? Can we put it in a margarita? That episode has scarred me for life. (laughs) That was the most horrendous thing I've ever tasted. But we were like, you know, let's talk about hooch. Let's talk about alcohol. So let's do like a woo-woo. 
And then, you know, let's talk about martinis. Like, it didn't have to be, like, your, your bog-standard um, classic cocktails, which are great, but we also, like, did riff on, riffs on cocktails. We did all the fun stuff as well. We subraged things. We blew stuff up. Like, I hate Campari. Like, I fucking hate it. I think it's the worst thing ever. Like, I hate it. Because um, it just tastes like depression if you could bottle it. Um, every... <laughs> that's a great description. So, I remember that one. That, that should be a t-shirt <laughs> for Campari. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes but like, just like depression. <laughs> but like, um, there was this thing where I was like, right, what's a really simple Campari cocktail? Oh, Garibaldi. Okay, great. And I had this like massive firework and I was like, what happens if we like put this Garibaldi and strapped it to a firework to see if like we could shake the drink and it would mix? <laughs> this episode of us like shooting, shooting this rocket with this strapped uh, cocktail to it. We put it in like a plastic shaky thing. And you see it go up in this field and then you see the rockets start to come down and then we are running, like absolutely fucking running. And this thing just sort of explodes around us. And the, <laughs> the other episode was kind of me covered in like a bit of gunpowder and being like, did this work? Yes, it's great. Um, and I was like, I don't like it. And then Ali tries it and he's like, Oh, I hate Campari. And I was like, you said you like Campari. Because <laughs> I do like Campari. It's too much Campari. It's just like taking the piss. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, the, the whole pump thing started with the idea of like missing being sat at the bar. And then it turned into wanting to be hospitable in the way and sort of giving back to everyone. But also like, don't you just hate when you go to a bar and the bars kind of take themselves too seriously and they, they think they're better than you or like, not, not even that, they're just... They think that whatever drink you say, if it's not up to their expectation, they kind of give you a little bit of like, oh, why are you ordering that drink? Right. When really the whole point of hospitality is to be hospitable, to be yeah. like kind and you care and give the person what they want. And in, in selfishly, you get a lot out of that too, just by being nice to the person. Because mm-hmm. if you come up to me like, oh, can I have like a gin and tonic with olive brine in it? Maybe I'll like poke a little bit of fun at you, but yeah, ultimately... Yeah. I want to give you the best gin and tonic you've had the way that you like it tasting. So even if I go, ha, what are you on about? I'm still going to ask you, do you like it? Do you want me to do anything? Is Do you want a bit more? Do you want a bit less? You're paying for that drink. You should have a great experience. Mm-hmm. And the whole pump room thing was like, you should be able to make a great drink. We shouldn't, need, we shouldn't hide anything from you. Let's tell you all these techniques. And let's tell you how to do them with your stuff you have at home as well. That's really well explained because that is how the show comes across. And it's also like, you're very right, that especially any, I think even more so through, during the pandemic when everybody was doing these Instagram fit live videos and whatever, because nobody had anything else to do. So much, so many of them and so many of these like quote unquote star tenders or whatever come across so pretentious because they've learned a certain level of skill. And then it comes across and when they're doing their videos, their YouTube videos or their uh, Instagram videos as well, where yours is very down to earth, laid back. It's like, here's how you make a drink. You're having fun with it. And that's like, I, I, I do feel like the industry is sort of reversing back in that direction. And, and people are getting the idea of like, it's about hospitality. It's not about the bartender as the star of the show. Absolutely. The thing is like, the bartender can be, you can be the star of the show. But as as you get older in this industry and as time goes on and you know all those celebrity bartenders and stuff, do you know why celebrity bartenders are celebrity bartenders? They didn't get there because they were a cunt. They got there because they were actually really lovely. Yeah, that's right. And they were hospitable. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> can I say, can I say cunt on yes, this? Cunt's quite this is, like a casual yeah. thing in the UK. 
No, it's 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 okay. We're a, we're a cut positive podcast. Yeah, thanks, Brad. <laughs> I want I want that on a t shirt. Yeah, positive. I think my girlfriend would kill me though. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So that's an interesting thing to talk about. You are also filming a documentary right now. Is that accurate? Uh, yes. So I have been funded by Monkey Shoulder to film a documentary. It's called The Quest for Queer. Mm-hmm. Um, the show is going to go live in about a week or so's time. And it is a, a documentary on what it is like to be queer behind the bar and why there are so few queer bartenders when you get into the top 50s. Mm-hmm. There's not many of them. You probably couldn't name enough of them. Like if, When I go to most bartenders, I'm like, right, name five lesbian bartenders. And they can name like me and two others mm-hmm. or i'm like name name like a bunch, you know name trans bartender they can name some of them can name none and i'm just like why is that a thing when we're an industry built on on kindness and looking after people well so and there's, there's certainly that, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but there's certainly like yeah. many many queer people working in the industry so that also lends the question like why not more in the top 50 or whatever right like exactly like why because like you look at all the the big like the big names and everything and all the kind of big the big people because like you know you do have those big people mm-hmm. inside of a Schweppes ad but and um, you're like why like why why none of them gay like why why is that like not a thing is it because like and it's not me being like you need to hit a quota and you must hire all the gays and give them your jobs and all that yeah, kind of stuff yeah. took our jobs. Um, <laughs> It, it's, it's not that for me it's more like oh is, is it because like people are dickheads and like don't want to hire the gays and promote them or is it because uh gay people can't be fucked and they'd rather just have an easy life and a bum you know yeah. <laughs> um, like me uh but like it's more of a i'm not looking to be like oh this world is so fucked i'm genuinely curious as to, to why there's so few and the ones that i do speak to I want to know what their experience has been like and how things have been for them. So if there are other people who are queer and they're working in a gay bar and they're like, oh, yeah, I kind of like cocktails, but I don't know if I want to work in a straight place. Because that's that's what I used to run them, gay bars. And I used to be concerned about going back into like um, bars that weren't gay because I'd be around people that weren't gay. And, and when you're in that kind of bubble, it's weird to you. So I was like, oh, you know, what if we do something, we go up and down the country and talk about this and actually have this conversation? Are other people going to watch it and be like, oh, that's really interesting. Maybe that's a career path for me and I can go into this industry because there's these people and, you know, it's not like a a weird thing. So, like, yeah, it's, it, I'm filming out of genuine curiosity, but also, like, I'm gay. When, when Ali was doing the show with me, like, he's gay as well. And we're just like, God, this is like something that, really resonates with us so we want to we just want to have the conversation and just talk to people that mm-hmm. are a bit like us and, and stuff and i just think it's quite cool and you get to see what other people's experiences have been like um but yeah and uh like without giving too much away because obviously we want people to watch this when it comes out what have what have you been sort of finding out about the experiences of the queer community in the service industry so most of them i speak to have found themselves in a position where they're really happy and they're looked after but they all come from they've all had some deep shit go down at some point and the majority of the time it is not the guest that's harassing them or making their life miserable because they're queer it is the it is the team that they're in right or it's the manager Mm. 
that's brutal yeah. because like i said like the, the you said it earlier like this is the service industry attracts every race religion creed sexuality right like it's supposed to be like the most open sort of job you can have so it's weird yeah. that they would be having this pushback from people that they're working with rather than people that they're serving oh yeah like it's like it's mental to me but also like you know, you go into companies and they're like, right, you need to have your diversity training, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no one gives a shit about diversity training or first aid or whatever when they're like reading it off a slide. They just associate and go like, yeah, whatever. And they take the piss out of it. But, yeah. you know, do you know what's really cool is I went to work today and I met the whole bar team for Sexy Vision Manchester. And the, like a good 30% of that team is queer. And that's wild to me. I've never seen like that kind of statistic. And I think it shows because management's a bit clearer and we really care about that thing and we care and we genuinely care about diversity. But you go to little bars and stuff and they dissociate from their training or whatever else and they don't have those conversations and they're, they're surrounded by these people who will tell them yes or just be in an environment where they all tip piss out of things. Like it gets really toxic. It's just, it's, but it is shocking. Like, is it like we are in like one of the most open industries in the world and then it's something that is coming from within the bar team is mm -hmm. wild well and it's funny you mentioned that because we have interviewed a number of people from all different sexualities on the show and i have heard that exact same story from several people especially um people who are queer who have had the same have all had issues with people they've been working with but almost never guess yeah like out of all of the people I've interviewed, and I've interviewed like eight or nine, only one of them, only one of them talked about how a guest had been abusive. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And I'm like, that's a weird number. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so when, uh, well, I want to talk about a couple of other things about your career, but before we get off the topic of the docuseries, like, tell me, when people can expect it to come out. Uh, do you have any ideas about that or where they can find it when it does? Um, you'll be able to find it on uh, the Pump Room YouTube channel. So just go to the Pump Room Bar on YouTube and it will also be Pump Room Bar on Instagram and Pump Room Bar on TikTok. So go on all of those. We are aiming to be out and out and about in December, early January. Awesome. So that's great because then they can check out your show as well. So the... And just because i don't know anything about this uh like how long how much how many hours of film do you have to record to do docu <laughs> a documentary like this and then edit it all down oh my fucking god like honestly like it's a lot of shit and uh, i have had a bunch of people be like hey so like where is everything um it's been a while like and it has been like a while because it's a lot to do and to sort of do your job as well it's a, like it's not a task you like kind of go yes it's You've got to realize that, like, if you're going to do something like that and you're going to work a full time job and like maintain a relationship, you've got to be like, you've got to not drink for like six nights a week and <laughs> whoa, 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 edit, whoa. And edit for like, <laughs> yeah. And you've got to like, and you've got to, you've got to give up that. You've got to sort of change your lifestyle a bit. And also, like, you've got to be like, right, these three nights for two hours a night, I'm going to edit and I'm going to do this, 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 this. And that's been so hard to keep on top of. Mm -hmm. um, I've probably got about, probably got about 18 hours of footage and that's a lot of footage to sift through. Yeah. Um, Makes for a long some, movie too. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just want it to be like 40 minutes to an hour to be honest. Yeah. Um, 
and then just sort of like making sure I think the hardest thing is like not sitting in your own head because I initially edited the trailer and it was like and then my mate came over who's like who works with Sony and he was like mate you've gotten so in your head this is not pump and I was like oh fuck it's not is it he's like no this is a wanky edit and I'm like okay and so Uh. we chopped and changed it and like made it like a lot better so like it, you know it's hard um, well it's, it's hard because you're doing a completely different thing than what your show is right like so i could see how it could go either way you could you could produce this content that's like too much like your show or when you're trying to do something a little more serious right with the, the with the docu's uh with the documentary but you can also go too far that way and now it's not kind of your brand yeah like you've got to strike the balance like now now the balance is being hit. Like, fuck. But like in the beginning, I was like, do we completely rip the piss out of it and be like, Gabe, what do they want? Fuck knows. Or do we go like, this is a really serious thing? Or like, yeah. And then we've just kind of found the, um, hi, I'm Cressy. And uh, I've decided that I want to play gay Jesus. So I'm going to go up <laughs> and down the country and interview bartenders about being gay. Let's talk about it. Like, we can still be like a bit hard hitting, but also funny. I think an element of humor is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I And people appreciate it when they're watching it, especially when you're talking about a topic that is serious. Like if you sprinkle in humor, that's great for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you got into the industry and when you decided this is kind of what you wanted to do. Ooh, okay, so I, um, I dropped out of college. That's um, college, not university. College is like six form. It's like when you're like 17, 18. Oh, okay. Before you go to university. Um, senior year? Fuck no. Um, <laughs> I, I dropped out and I was like, you know what? I, I don't like exams. I hate the shit. I want to go move to London and work in Soho and run a gay bar. Because that was, and then uh, that didn't go to plan. Because like, <laughs> I just couldn't get a bar job. And um, I got a call from like, my cousin and she was like, hey, there's this place in Notting Hill. And I was living at my folks and that's like 60 miles away. That's far. Uh, and it's like a good two hour like drive. And I can't drive a car. I can only ride like a motorcycle. I can still only ride a motorcycle. <laughs> and uh, it was like two nights a week. It's 40 quid or 40 pounds cash in hand, 4.30 to 10.30, um, two nights a week. And I was like, I was broke as shit. And I was like, fuck yeah, I'll do that. And it was my first job. And then during Christmas, I got the opportunity because I started in October, during Christmas, I got the opportunity to go behind the bar. And then I started making drinks. And I was like, I want to do this for like ever. And I want my own bar. Um, and I was not living in London. I was commuting 120 miles a day when I was working there. Or I was crashing on sofas and stuff. And when I was like, oh, you know, I really like that it's in London. I think that I could do something with this and because I was so committed and like so into it that I would literally do that commute in like minus four degrees in the freezing cold in the rain didn't matter I would be there and I'd get to work and all those things um I was like yeah no this is this is exactly what I want to do and then I ended up going into Soho and running a gay bar for a bit and then I worked for London Cotswold Club for like six years and became like a senior GM for, for them and managed multiple sites and won like awards for venues and everything and built some amazing teams and then 
pump room happened and then like sexy fish happened. Crazy. So when did you like, was that London cocktail club? Is that when you first started kind of getting serious about craft cocktailing or was it previous to that? Oh, it was London cocktail club. London cocktail yeah. club was like what really made me, I remember going into London cocktail club in Shaftesbury Avenue and seeing these drinks and being and like six years ago, the dead drinks like were mind, they were mind blowing drinks. And I remember seeing them and I was, um, with a, a girlfriend at the time and I was like holy shit this is amazing I would love to work here and um I remember I went for an interview and stuff and I think I was just like a little bit cocky or thought I knew more than I did and actually I, I didn't because I was managing the place I was previous and you know when you um you're a manager and then you wanted to take a step up as but you, you're young so you still think you could be a manager but actually you fucking couldn't be a manager because you know what you're fucking talking about because you're young little shit <laughs> Um, didn't get hired and then I messaged them again in January after Christmas being like I messaged I sent this email being like look listen I really want another shot I want to do this please I want a job and um, the guy who didn't hire me or give me the job didn't work for the company anymore so his email bounced to one of the owners and he interviewed me oh wow and yeah and and I bumped into the so the owner was one of the owners was James Hopkins and the other one was JJ Goodman and I met them both for my interview. And those two are now like lifelong lifelong friends and people that I will go into business with um, at some point because like they took a chance on me like six and a half, no, eight years ago they took a chance on me. And if it wasn't for London Cocktail Club, I wouldn't have the career I had now because that is what got my career serious and got me into craft cocktailing, like all that stuff. Oh, nice. For our listeners at home, obviously there's no video here, but you have this terrific London cocktail club light behind you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Pretty so awesome. Story about this. <laughs> this is actually the first London cocktail club I was a general manager of. This one doesn't exist anymore. This is the Islington Science London Cocktail Club. But the bar that is now in its place is do you guys know Homeboy? No. Heard of Homeboy? No. So Homeboy is um run by an Irish uh, it's owned by an Irish man called Aaron Wall. Um, he's friends with the guys who like own the dead rabbit and stuff. So it is cool. It's it's based on modern Irish hospitality. And then this was in the basement. And he's a, he's a good friend of mine. He was like, "Oh, Chris, I've still got the sign. Do you want it?" And I was like, "Yes, I want the sign." And uh, yeah, so now I now I have the sign. But I did have the managing director of uh, the cocktail club <laughs> message me, be like, "Where did you get on Instagram?" Like three days ago, but where did you get that from? I was like, uh, "This was the Islington sign, and uh, this was given to me over a year ago." When Islington was uh, when Islington was shut down, this is before you were managing director. She was like, "Okay, cool, great, have a good time." And I was like, "I see you, I see you checking up on me." Yeah, what the yeah, fuck? Is- like, what's you gonna do? <laughs> I'm like, That's what are you doing? You gonna you gonna drive it? to Manchester and be like, give me my sign? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty fucking yeah, funny. A great actually. sign, though. Like yeah, it did. It's awesome. Yeah. So obviously, you ran that place into the ground, and that's why it's not open anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was all. It was all this plot to uh, get the sign. I ran it into the ground. I was like, oh, what am I doing? I'm going to next one. I'll take the sign. <laughs> Amazing. So, what, like, when you first, so you, when you were you were running gay bars before that in Soho, whatever, and then you get this job at London Cocktail Club because you clearly wanted to learn that style. Did you find it very overwhelming going to a completely different style of bartending uh yes like learning sort of the accuracy of free pouring and like round building and stuff yes you find it overwhelming but when you're young mm-hmm. you're like Fuck, i want to learn like everything so you you've got those three stages of the bartender stage one stage two stage three stage one holy shit what is this world teach me how to flare i want to do comp i want to be the fastest ever 
tell me everything. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Stage two. Yeah, I've been around. I know my shit. Blah blah blah. You can't teach me nothing. Like asshole bartender. And then <laughs> stage three is probably where I'm at, which is um, fuck. I will never learn everything. There is yeah. always something to learn, mm-hmm. and not to be like a cunt. Wow, that's well put. I don't think anyone's ever broken that down before on our show, but that's exactly right. Those are the three stages where it's just like, yeah, you get to this point where you're just like, holy fuck, I don't know it like everything and I'm never going to know everything. And then you, you gain respect, way more respect for the people who came before you. And even for people who come after you are going to have newer ideas, right? Oh, exactly. But also there's still the thing that everyone, everyone is listening is stage one, two, and three can repeat themselves. Yeah. When you change, (laughs) like if you go from, you know, like dive bars to, yeah. independent cocktail bars and then you go to hotel bars that shit can continue to repeat right that's true actually because they're all it's funny it's all the same job but there's such different styles of service right and and mm-hmm. it, it's, it's got to be one of the easier jobs to get jaded in oh, so yeah, totally. yeah i think that's one of the biggest struggles that we that we have in the service industry is not getting jaded and still taking every you, you, i mean it's um, it's impossible to take every shift like a joy but like the but like keeping your head around the fact that there's a reason why you got into it and you and instead of getting bitter and jaded and bored by it, just getting excited by what else you might be able to learn. Like I think, yeah, the one thing that is always really important is, you know, if you're running a team and you're a manager, right? Your job is to protect, look after and inspire, but also just like talk things out with your team you need to be that person that like shields them from the shit but also gives them the discipline and like you know brings them up in this world but also like the the one thing that you have to be aware about look i think for me the key ingredient for you to get jaded in this industry is to go out too much not sleep and have a coke habit Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Like poke will ruin your bar or ruin your industry. If you've got a manager on on gear like five nights a week, I bet you anything you'll find IOU notes in the till. Like, and you'll have a a very unhappy team. I've been through any team that goes. Oh, you know, yeah. Like everyone goes. Everyone's been in a life where you've gone through it or you've had your lock-ins and you've done anything. I'm like, I love a lock-in. We don't do them at Sexy Vision, obviously, but like a lock-in every like. I don't know, six months or something isn't going to hurt people. But like when I threw a lock into LCC, my big rule was no drug. Mm. You want to go have a joint? Fine. I don't want to see any gear. Like right. I'm not doing that shit. You're not bringing it in here. We're going to, we're going to scream along to Britney Spears, have some shots, drink, you know, drink beers and have a laugh. But I don't want to see any gear because right. I always find that um, Coke is a, as a way that uh, it gets people into debt. It makes them lie and it makes them a lot more like agitated and angry and the, starts to break down the team like it's my big thing where i'm like nah it does you find yourself miserable and not even realizing you're fucking miserable because you're just on a uh, cycle of like do blow till early in the morning drinking a bunch of booze talking talking the same bullshit about where you work all night and then you wake up too late eat shitty food rinse lather repeat you know what i mean (laughs) like and it all just starts over again so you just you're miserable and you don't even realize that you are Oh God, it's like um, when you get, when you help people break those cycles, it's really, really rewarding because you know they're going to have like a much better time in life in general. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 
Well, it's been super awesome talking to you, Cressy. This is like you've had a fascinating career and you got lots on the go. I don't know how you're keeping up with all this shit, but uh, I, I know it's not uh, cocaine. So <laughs> I, I, I don't know. How, I'm like, I'm, I'm this close to a fucking mental breakdown because like, you know, and, you, and you do all this stuff. And, you know, you know, when people go, oh, you work hard, like good things will come. I'm like, I really hope good things come because yeah. I'm this close to losing my absolute oh, shit. <laughs> fuck. I, when people say that to me, sometimes I'm just like, how do you know? <laughs> you know like what like are you sure because i've been working hard for a long time and waiting for the good to come sometimes and you're just like okay yeah sometimes that happens but not always <laughs> yeah, yeah other times like, you just like you die yeah that's right you just work hard and then you wait you next thing you know you're dead but like hospitality is is probably one of the most fulfilling careers that you can have i would say for sure well people are great you're definitely living it because with all the stuff you do with your YouTube show, the movie that's going to be coming out eventually, opening bars like crazy, you clearly believe what your own shit here. <laughs> like you believe that it's a rewarding career. You wouldn't be doing all this stuff. So congratulations on everything. We're looking forward to seeing the movie come out. Everybody should check out the YouTube channel. Check the show notes for all of this info. Do you have an Instagram page that you want people to follow? Yeah, you guys can either follow pumproom.bar or you can just follow Cressida Lawler, which is my personal um, Instagram, where it just has me riding motorcycles and pouring drinks and having a good laugh but yeah, yeah. are you guys ever, are you guys ever in london i haven't been there in years but i love that i love london like it's it's such a beautiful city i know there's like a, when you live there it's probably a different experience than like being a tourist there but it's just gorgeous especially in the summer so i definitely got to get back there but if i and if i do then i'm going to look up uh you in manchester hey when you open this new place that you want to open for yourself are you going to do it in manchester or london uh well it's good well i'm going to open the bump room and we're going to do it in manchester and then we'll expand beautiful all right well great that is, luck that is the goal. awesome well you keep us informed when that happens and uh, then we'll come visit mm-hmm. absolutely guys and also yeah. like if you do come to london let me know and i'll just get a train down and take you guys the bottle oh that's oh, nice. that'd be amazing thanks Cressy. it was super nice meeting you you're awesome and best of luck with everything good luck with the opening try and get some sleep and uh and great luck with the movie as well thanks for coming on the show thanks cheers guys thank you so much absolutely had a blast